You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliari. Wow, that came in hot. Yeah, like a like a heat-sinking missile, man. You are leaned in and ready to go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, so this week, <clears throat> we are going to dive into something that we spoke about the flip side uh three or four episodes ago yeah we did uh five songs that have not aged well and i don't know what it is about the quote-unquote negative podcast but they get a lot of engagement as (laughs) social media people will say (laughs) online (laughs) so that was interesting uh people really kind of diving into what songs they think didn't uh hold up well over these last number of years and that's Um, okay that's fine. That's fine. We're going to do the opposite now, um, as we are wont to do. We've got to, we've got to complete the circle, and we'll do. Five Which means songs. there will be there, there will be crickets at the end of this episode. <laughs> Every song is aged perfectly. Uh, you have five songs that have aged the best. Now, of course, these are these are opinions. These are, we we use yeah, the, the term yeah. best because that's how you get the clicks, right? You got to be hyperbolic. <laughs> um, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and we also want to talk very briefly, just <clears throat> kind of touch on an interview Matt Cameron did with somebody who we've mentioned before in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, a quick and uh, big time thank you to our newest patron who just joined last week. Um, she joins the rest of the crew and we appreciate her and the rest of the patrons. So if you are interested in uh, adding a little more state of love and trust to your life. Little... Should, should, should we start naming the folks that join? I don't know. I mean, no, you feel uh... like it's a, uh, it's a little, uh, like putting folks on the spot. I don't you know, know. It's up to them. They can, they it's can put up it to out them. there if they, they want to. Well, how about this? If, if you are a patron and you would like us to name you on, on this podcast, oh. you, you, uh, that will be yet another perk that we will add. Well, and, and so we, we had last week, we, we talked about the two, contests that are coming up the giveaways raffles if you were to a random uh patron so we've got two coming out pretty soon one will be the live gigaton cd a copy of that and one is a copy of the retroactive i guess you could call it off-ramp 30th anniversary poster um ordered that when it came out two years ago it's still in the tube and i'm like you know what i have enough posters Let's just go ahead and give it to a patron. They deserve it. You're so generous. You know, it's 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 the giving season. And by that I mean it's mid-August. <laughs> Certainly somewhere it's the giving season. I know. Yeah. Hey, it's almost back to school, right? It is so, back to school here. Yeah. It is, right. We started today, actually. My As my daughter went this. back. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I, I, I saw the bananas, photos. man. I'll tell you what, quick sidebar before we get into it. Um, we, we've been communicating all week and those of you who may or may not know, uh, last week's episode came out by the hairs of our chinny chin chin because your boy here got the COVID and, yep. uh, 
did not. He feel. was riding the Rona rail. <laughs> I um, we basically finished the recording last Sunday, and uh, I was like, I feel a little weird. Hm, yeah, whatever. Felt tired, and then I like two hours later, I'm in chills, and the next next forty eight hours were pretty dicey. But lo and behold, the household has now uh, uh, taken on <laughs> that. Oh, good so Lord. it's been a very trying few days with the little ones uh, battling through that fatigue and whatnot. But uh, here we are. Here we but, are. You know what? Um, you are in our thoughts. Well, thank it, you. Oh, my, you oh, my, the point of me bringing that up, by the way, wasn't just to garner sympathy, but please be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Um, no, uh, I, I saw your daughter go have her picture with it with a little chalkboard. Is that all the kids are doing yep. now with the, yep. hey, I'm yep. going to blah, blah, grade, and, and this is what mm-hmm. I want to be, and yada, yada, and the pictures of the schoolyard. Today would have been my oldest son's uh, first day at a new school for his new grade. And we had the, you know, we went to the, the mall and got the clothes and, then he's by the way he's fine did, the whole time did you put him week. in a shirt that says music for rhinos uh i did not because i got that one week. of those for my dog yeah. <laughs> as you should do as any yes. good parent will do well anyways point is is that uh the oldest was fine the entire time last week when the rest of us had it got it today good Lord. so he'll be out for the first <laughs> five six seven days of school that's fun good times <laughs> good timing uh anyways Anyways, we're battling through. I am now feeling great. So the, the show does not skip a beat, which is what you guys really the care about. The beat goes on. The beat does go on. The bottom beat. Speaking of a bottom beat, how about Matt Cameron? Ooh, great what? segue. You love that? You love to see it. It reminds me of myself back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Also- you know, th- th- this interview was, was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was, it's the perfect tonic to scare away the algorithm. In the absence of any of you who have not yet rated, reviewed, mm-hmm. and subscribed. So if you haven't done that, please do that. Please rate this podcast. Please review. Uh, please subscribe. Review favorably, and too. Subscribe again. Nice. Yeah. Any kind of review would be <laughs> wonderful. But anyway, back, back to the, uh, the order. Yeah, Matt Cameron. Uh, Matt Cameron. He and um, We've spoken about a guy named Rick Beato a few times in this show. Mm-hmm. He does a great, he has, he has a great YouTube channel. Uh, hundreds of thousands of views um and and viewers subscribers and he does a lot of really great music theory he knows how to play a number of instruments he used to be a record producer he has a series called what makes this song great he's done a couple different pro jam songs garden and black they are of course both great and um he recently did a couple interviews one with kim thile which i don't believe is out yet um he also did Derek trucks and he did matt cameron which came out just a few days ago i think he did Pat Matheny. As he well. probably did. Yeah, I don't think I said about that a month ago. Bit. I think, yeah. and that's no, about a year ago. Sorry. Okay. Um. So yeah, he flew to Seattle, interviewed our guy Matt in the in his in his studio. Now I will say, most of the uh, discussion was centered around uh, the Soundgarden process. A little bit about Temple of the Dog. Not so much about Pearl Jam. He did reference the um, the spring of. 1998 when he had to learn 60 songs in a couple of weeks and he yeah, said well, yeah, i mean the, the interview opens with with asking you know what's the difference between playing with pearl jam and playing with with soundgarden most notably being the fact that you know you're part of a, a band through its organic beginnings versus mm-hmm. coming into an already established band that already had songs and so he talked a little bit about uh, you know the, what it's like to kind of come in and just kind of try to play what they needed at that time 
right. versus something like Soundgarden, where it's not so much, hey, what do you guys need, as much as it is, how can I contribute to this process? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but now that's where they're at, right? You know, he, he mentions that eventually the guys were not eventually; they were always open to any ideas he had musically. Uh, but I think that he didn't feel comfortable initially participating yeah. that way. You know, so uh, understandably, you, you you can see. I mean, the music and his contributions as they evolved. I mean, his footprint on albums like Riot Act are nowhere near. I don't think as big as they are or binaural as well pardon me they aren't as big or they they progressively get bigger i should say with each subsequent album for sure and i think it, it was for that reason that rick probably focused in on the soundgarden stuff um at a certain point matt even uh takes down off of the the uh the shell symbol <laughs> no the the uh the snare drum oh the snare thank you that uh that he used on uh, black hole sun yeah did a little little beat there for us um and it's a cool little combination of, of kind of storytelling and a lot of nerdy stuff by the way if you're a drummer you're gonna love this stuff just how he tunes his his uh drums why uh you know uh metal rimmed i can uh, think of a black circle than... friend that would love this interview yeah. <laughs> nick are you out there mm. um metal rims versus wooden rims on the on the on the, on the shells and, and yada 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 um just a really drum a drummer's delight essentially and uh you get some insight into how he really enjoyed being in Soundgarden and even the process of Temple of the Dog where you know Chris brings in a number of songs they learn them in a week and record them in a week and yeah bing bang boom um one thing that I did notice that was interesting um maybe just because it was a, a, a direct acknowledgement was you know Rick asked him what's something that you can do now that you couldn't do then what's one thing that you could or do better now than then and one thing you did better than you do now not surprisingly the thing that he did better then versus now is the physicality of it that he said mm. that he could just purely play kind of any speed any rhythm any any intensity that he wanted to very very easily um back in the 90s he was kind of in this groove and now he'll be like you know rocking out with the boys and he'll look at the set list and be pretty tired and be like Oh, shit, I got six more songs. Okay. <laughs> so when we talk about the set list being a little bit shorter now in the in the shows being about two, ten, two fifteen instead of three, that's why. That's part of it. The, the, the guy's almost 60. So but he is a machine. He in, is a machine. As far as 60-year-old humans go. But I thought it was just a cool little look in to the world of Matt, uh, especially from the Soundgarden perspective. So if you haven't watched this already, it's on Rick Beato's youtube channel i think it was posted on the 13th of august if you haven't if you're looking for it but anyways let's move on to our five songs that have aged the best this was for me more difficult than five songs that have aged the worst yeah, How did you I, feel I, I have a list of 11 or 12 me too uh, me too it, and it, it, it pairing it down to five is uh Man, <laughs> not easy. I mean, I'm still double guessing and, and second guessing. It's <laughs> all right. Well, you know, no time like the present. How about no you time. give me your fifth choice for songs right. that have aged the best? So I, I, I'm gonna start with Marker in the Sand. Um, I, I I have just I don't want to say I've rediscovered the self-titled album Avocado, but 
we recently covered this album in a little bit more detail, talking about uh, a couple different elements of it recently. And I have to say that I always enjoyed Severed Hand, Marker on the Sand, songs like Parachutes, a lot of songs on here. Comeback was, and, and Army Reserve were my favorite tracks along with Inside Job. But I've come to have a level of appreciation for Marker on the Sand that while I enjoyed it in the past, it, I enjoyed it even more now. Uh, to, to the point where I think I, on this podcast, exclaimed, I don't understand how a song like this is not a, a regular tour staple. So it's uh, which is that's a bold thing to say for that song. It is. I, mean, I would <clears> say <throat> the same thing about Severed Hand. I mean, th- these are which I, I mean, I'm, I'm giving away my four and my five, quite honestly, because that's what the, that's the fourth song. But uh, those two songs just kind of go hand in hand for me. Where I just think that musically speaking, they're just fantastic, underrated rock songs. And when we got the Brandon O'Brien mix, I think it just it just added a whole new level of of dynamic intricacy to those songs. The the way that you can deconstruct the, the sound and the composition the nuance of the recording uh, it was just too loud I think the, the original cut and so the newer versions are uh, I don't want to say they're indispensable but I mean they're requisite listening I think for if, if, if you want to get into Pearl Jam post yield uh, I, I can't imagine a playlist that doesn't have these two songs on it and so for me they've aged the best because I think I appreciated them in the past but I wouldn't necessarily go out and like seek them out per se even though I liked them uh, there was a period of time where I think Avocado just kind of fell into a meh phase for me yeah. right, where, where there was, it was a lot of good but not a lot of great you know what I mean it was kind of like Jack of All Trades Master of None type of an album uh, didn't have any bad songs per se but nothing really wowed me it's now reached a, a place where I think uh, Comeback and uh, you know, Army Reserve uh, Inside Job Severed Hand Mark on the Sand and they got a special place in my heart for parachutes now that is again it's interesting the songs that i once despised or didn't understand it's yep yeah evacuation will never get that oh. flower yeah this is not going to get that rose but but <laughs> but I, I will say that severed hannah and mark of the sand are two two great examples of songs that for me at least have have really aged well and i would like to hear them play it more often because i think that if they were played more often i think that uh, it would resonate with the fan base there's a lot of people that come to pearl jam shows it's their first show I mean, yes, there's a good majority of folks in the audience that have seen them, you know, dozens of times or multiple times. Uh, but th- there's still a good percentage of folks in the crowd that it's their first Pearl Jam show because they're bringing a friend or a spouse or somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- these are just two great songs to put on a set list that I think people would walk away saying, man, what was the name of that song? It was really cool at the end of the first f- first uh, leg. And So anyway, g- going to go with those two for my four and five, but... All right. Well, what do you got for me? I, I'm going to stick with the same record, uh, and this 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 may surprise you a bit, but I'll explain. I'm going inside job. Uh, okay. I, I think at the time, maybe maybe you, you weren't that into it when it first came out. I remember I, that. Yeah, I think at the time a lot of people had. I, I feel like I remember a lot of people thinking that this had a high rating. This album, um, <clears throat> and maybe the inside job you excluded, of course was just um, a song with a very long intro. So much of what was to like, at least for me, was a, wait for it, return to punchy, hook-laden rock that we didn't have on Riot Act much and only a little bit more on on Binaural. But I think over the last 16 years, Inside Job has risen to the top of that album for me. I, I think it's almost unquestioned that it's the best song 
And That's how I felt when it first came out. I, I think it's almost unquestioned um, that it's the best. And it's because it's its own thing. Hmm. It isn't another punchy rock song. Its arrangement is totally unique to the catalog. And the lyrical content is like a fine red wine. We've touched on this a lot over the course of this show. So maybe it's not so much of a, a surprise or a shock, but I certainly think this song has aged better than most because I didn't much, I didn't think much of it for the longest time until I came to grow and understand where it was coming from. And some of what I initially loved about the album sort of wore, the shine wore off just a little bit enough to then let me see the shine that was always there for Inside Job. So while it's not an obvious choice, for me it has a. Oh, for you, I way. think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, interestingly enough, Inside Job, it's not that it has regressed, but I think other songs have. The, the tide has lifted other boats on that album for me. And for that reason, I don't necessarily regard it in the, to, to the same degree of just praise that I did in the past, where to me it was, to your point, it was the unquestioned, unquestioned best track on the record. I don't feel that way anymore. But it's less because I feel that song isn't done well and more because there are other tracks on there that I think that I, I've grown to really, really love, or perhaps just as much. So you you spoke um, about both of your five and four choices. Anything left to say about Severed Hand specifically? Um, no, I mean, they're just the, the pacing. That there's just It's a great, great riff. I mean, if you watch videos of, of these songs live, there's some fantastic online content just jump on youtube type in severed hand or mark on the sand live and you're going to get some really really fantastic pro shot film concert footage and i just think these songs just they explode live they're really really good songs live and eddie's voice you know there's certain songs from the early 10 era that i don't think his voice it's not built to handle the same way Mm-hmm. This is one of those records where I almost feel like his vo- like comatose. I'm not a big fan of that song on the record. He just I feel like right. he's, you know, and I, I you know we mined that territory before. But live, there's some live cuts of it where I think it, there's a little bit more harmony to his voice, coupled with that aggression, and it, he, he sounds pretty good. So I think this is one of those interesting records where a lot of the songs to me actually sound better live, um, and those two I think chief among them. All right, well, my number four choice, and again, this is going to be so weird to say some of these songs have aged well, because I don't know that I've disliked the, I, I haven't disliked these first two. Um, I, they just, they just have gone from like, that's, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good song. I like that song to holy shit. Like I didn't, I really like this song. I think it's very, very good. Number can I four, guess? You sure can. Rival. No. No. No, no, no. Very close, though. Yeah. The song is Insignificance. Ah, okay. I had the right album. Right album, very close in the track listing. So, I've always really enjoyed this song and thought it was quite strong. Not flawless, but quite good. Probably probably a four star, but I could see how people would go and give it a three. Like, it's good, but it's not great. It's good. For a long time, I think I felt that way primarily because I enjoyed the syncopated turns into that driving four chord all based around one hand position chorus thing and, and those descending melodies and this is all great as is Matt Cameron launching the song down a hillside seemingly but it's the lyrical content for me who'd have thought how much more powerful and true the words would ring over the last 22 years and not just about 
our military industrial complex and all that all that goes with the bombing of innocents while innocent people see the bombs being made in their backyard. No, it's much more than that now for me. Now it's figurative bombs too, but the message is still the same. We the innocent, we who do not intend to get in the way of anyone else's freedom or human rights, but are lumped in anyway. We all feel the same thing. It's instilled to want to live. You know, the, the news reminds us the bombs are always dropping. Seemingly bad news all the time, right? Got, mm-hmm. got out of debt? Here's a housing crisis. Got that under control? Here's COVID. Get through that? Have you heard of monkeypox? Laid off? Well, here's 15% <laughs> of your original salary to help you pay off those bills. Inflation? Oh, yeah. And how is your mental health doing right now? Like, it never freaking ends. And all we want to do is live. How can we live our lives when the quote-unquote bombs never stop? So, for a song that a musically I always really enjoyed, and whose political, you know, anti-war, inter-industrial complex message was very obvious, and I liked it for that, man, that the other human angle from this that you can take from a figurative sense is just it really fleshes the song out for me now and they haven't played that song in six years so i'm kind of dying for it a little bit yeah it it, it, i remember when i first listened to binaural that was one of the songs that stood out the most to me yeah yeah and and that strumming i think had a huge part of that it's powerful in that song it really is yeah okay where are you going next we're gonna go to the same album we're okay. gonna we're gonna hang out here and buy a new role. I'm gonna go with of the girl. Nice. Uh, this this is a song that I think I I thought was clever when I first heard it. I love the opening jam, but it it's it never seemed to. It, it was a tease. I felt like it it was li- it was lifting to something and just it just wilted. Mm. Uh, and so it was a song that I think I always felt was missing a a climax. Quite frankly, it just it didn't have a strong chorus to me. And I don't think I appreciated it enough, even though I, I, I loved listening to it. It's a song that I think now a lot of the fan base has come to really appreciate. Uh, it, it's a fantastic show opener. You're seeing it more and more, I think. Uh, I think I should go to live footsteps and find it. But, uh, well, it did open I, our I, second night in Los Angeles. It did open one of our nights, exactly. So and I don't know I, the last time it was played before then, so maybe not, actually. But I, I, I just, well, I don't know kind of curious why don't you look it up while I, I will look it up while um, it's it, it's a song that I think it, it's a perfect opener um, I, there's, I have a, a few Pearl Jam playlists that I use this song to open believe it or not and uh, it opened a show that we saw that, I, and I thought it was perfect I was so excited to hear it and when when fans hear that drum beat and you get that that, that cool guitar jam over the top of it I feel like you get a lot of cheering. It's not just because, hey, Pearl Jam's taking the stage and they're playing. I think that it, it gets you in the mood to have yeah. a rock show. You know what it's I mean? It's a groove, it's, man. It's a vibe. It's a, it's, I know, exactly. So this is the kind of song that, to me, is uh, is a song that it, it's not just that it, it, a, it's underrated, but I also feel that it's aged in a way that it's going to take on kind of like a cult following almost mm. where you're going to start seeing people. I could see people holding up signs asking for the song one of these days or it being a song that opens a couple of shows every tour. It should be. Yeah. It was um, last played three times in 2018. So how many on this recent tour though? Just, just our show. That's it. That's it. Only time it's wow. been played. So it's it op- it opened up the last three times it's played, including our show, 
uh, Krakow 2018 and London 2018. Um, they played it in Chile. And then yeah. 2016 twice, 2015 once. Yeah, it like, doesn't get nearly enough love, but I, I feel like it's it's aging well, and I I think it's it's kind of reached that status of hey, you know, top ten show openers. You know, what are we going to go with? But this is one that works. Yeah, good choice. Um, number three for me, I'm going to go with Around the Bend. Uh, oh, I like that call. Yeah, I knew you would. A classic example of a song that was a constant skip if it wasn't the last track on the album for probably 20 years, a little over that actually, especially in 1996. I was not looking for a quiet campfire acoustic number from the band who brought me Jeremy once ago, <laughs> you know? Um, and honestly, th- there were quiet songs over the next 20 years that worked much more for me. Nothing man. Yep. I can relate to that. Come back. Mm-hmm. Thin air. Oh yeah. But this one, why would I have any interest in a lullaby? This was as useful as uh, literally. This song was as useful as Foxy Mouth to me. Oh God, come on! It was. I was a skip. I was like, I don't need to hear this. This is just so boring. And I didn't. I just. I tuned out the. the like lyrics. I'm not gonna lie. I felt the same way when of I first course. heard this one. It How was many a skip. of us did? It's like, come yeah. on. Yeah, you're a teenager. So, so, well, listen. 2017 rolls around. 2014 for you. And you go, oh, okay. I still don't listen to this song too too much, but only because I'm also listening to the the boots and not the not the um, the albums. But it's a lovely song. I, I think a lot of per, the Pearl Jam community would probably agree with me now as well, um, because most of us have gotten uh, gotten on in our years and created our own families, and it actually means something now. We're not all kids looking to. Uh, looking for a fight or looking for something to rail against or looking for something to commiserate with. This was a very mature song and it was not going to fall in the right ears for a long time for a lot of the audience. And But luckily, it did for me. And so now I listen to us and to it today uh, and I go, yeah, this is just lovely. This is nice. This is nice. So, I really enjoy this one. I, I, I agree. Could not, cannot say it better. What do you got next? Okay, so we're going to depart from some of these uh, later records, and uh, we're going to jump into No Code. I think Present Tense is a song that is quickly becoming a a Greatest Hits style track that I don't think was appreciated as a Greatest Hits song earlier in the band's career. I completely agree, by the way. It's my second choice as well, but I want to hear your your take. To me, this song has, it's it's taken on a, a level of fanfare and a level of excitement live that, uh, and I don't know what sparked it. Something tells me that performance on, I think it was Letterman during the avocado tour. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like when we, when you saw that, the way that they played that song live, it was like, there were a lot of fans that maybe hadn't heard that song. There's a lot of fans that tuned out, man, during no code. I think Dude, that no code through, I'd say a riot act. You had a ton of people fall off. You really did. And then and so, Avocado brought him back around again. Av- yeah, that was it, the it, tour. Exactly. So you had a lot of fans that kind of came back in and were like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give these guys another shot, see what they've been up to. And then they heard this song like, what, is this off the new record? Oh, this is, oh, whoa, this is like a couple records ago, many records ago, in fact. It's <laughs> 10 years ago. Jesus. It's, 
that or they're just new fans, newer fans that hadn't heard him. He was a national audience. You know what I mean? I mean? It's not the kind of song you expected to hear played on on Letterman, but they 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 did that performance and it was killer, and it just showed the the the, the strength and power that a track like this has live. And since then, I feel like it, it becomes a highlight of any show that it's on. And the fans get into it, and uh, it's a great breakdown at the end. And it's a lot of cheering and, and jumping up and down and uh, the, the sing-along sections of the song. It really has everything you're looking for in a lot of ways to, for a live song. It's anthemic. Yeah. And I don't think it came across that way on the album the way that it does live. So that that's my number two. It's way more subdued in the album. And I, and I do is. love the album version, but I sure, totally yeah, hear it. I think Randy said it a couple of weeks ago when we had him on the show where he said that song is a next level live. Um, yeah, like I said, I agree with you. Present Tense is my second choice. Um, this one always felt like a cult classic for a long time. Like you, you, you were almost like if you were a fan of No Code when you were in like the minority of all the Pearl Jam fans, like you knew about it. Yeah, in in the Letterman performance, that that after show live stream thing was the wow. Hey, look at this mm-hmm. song. This is amazing. What the hell is this from again? Um, of course, years later, you, you got the uh, last dance treatment adding to its aura. Um, and then I also saw a uh, a live solo performance of it by Glenn Hansard, which I thought was fantastic. And I'm like, wow, the legend builds even more. This song has just something bigger, just something more about it that I didn't notice for the longest time. There's never been a time um, we've been forced to or wished for the past than today, I think. As I mentioned in regards to insignificance, there's so much to feel bad about today. The state of the world and, and all, and so much about our future is to be anxious about. And perhaps this song kind of knew all along. So it, it's certainly very personal, and I think everyone needs that pep talk more than ever today it's not wishing away our circumstances or daydreaming it's simply asking us to confront the facts should we struggle to apply lessons learned from the past to affect the future is that too tall a task for us right now is that amount of stress worth it or should we breathe and think about where we are right now focus on what we can currently control sometimes it's okay to put some blinders on if it helps you get through something I've never needed the pep talk in this song more than I do today. And uh, this song has become more and more necessary and the jam at the end more and more celebratory of accepting this premise. So I'm all about the little wins and I think that this song reminds us to take those little wins and live in that moment and need that you, you need that, that vibe, you need that mood, you need that, that pep talk more than ever in today's world in my opinion. So. This, this song has had the great opportunity of finding its sea legs at a good point, and then it just kind of allowed itself to become this thing. Like you said, it's it's a greatest hit now for me. Solid. Love it. Great breakdown, by the way. All right. First choice that of, uh, oh, of your songs gosh. that aged the best for you. It's got to be Tremor Christ, I think. Ooh. Uh, this, this is one of those early... Uh, I, for me, it's got to be a song. I mean, look, th- there are songs that are from the later period that I think have aged that you know, it's easy to pick songs from from a record that maybe... I mean, to me, all of Riot Act has aged well. 
I mean, I appreciate that album a lot more now than I did when it first came out. I mean, I was, I know you haven't, but there's so many songs on there that I, that I enjoy listening to that when I first heard it, I was like, what is this? I'm not, I'm not resonating. This is not resonating. I'm not uh, identifying with this record. Um, but Tremor Christ is a song that I think I liked when I was younger when it first came out. And now I love it. It's a song that it, 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 they recorded it in New Orleans, and it was this muggy night and or afternoon, I think it was, and uh, just pour into the studio, and lights are down low, and it's just got this cool vibe to it. And uh, it has this, like, marching, and this, I'm quoting Mike here, it's got this odd marching Beatles tune. This is the way that, that he described it. It's just a strange song. Yeah. And I think that we didn't get too much strange up until Vitology. Then we got a lot of strange, but uh, mm-hmm. th- this was that perfect blend of just, just great rock, and but it wasn't garage rocky like we hear on No Code. It was just great rock, and it was a cool groove. And uh, once you just kind of into it, it just uh, it, I don't know what it is that that winded is the sailor drifting by. I, mean, I, I every time I, I hear the song, that's the image that pops into my head, and it's just the stormy gray landscape scene or a seascape scene with, with this boat and this metaphor you know what i mean and, and it, it was not released as a single but it actually jumped up to uh to uh, like 15 or 16 i think on, on some really? billboard charts yeah wow in 94 so it it actually got a lot more love even though it didn't make the uh, the greatest hits album in nothing man did which i think is also a song that's continued to age well but i think that by putting it on the rearview mirror record i think the band basically acknowledged that they feel like this song has its place uh, tremor christ though i think charted higher than a lot of uh, the songs on was it a b-side no tremor christ is not a b-side no no i mean b- sorry it was never released it. as a single no, I'm sorry. I meant to say, was it was it a B-side on a single? Like, was it the Spin the Black oh, Circle B-side or something like that? Maybe it was a B-side on Immortality or on uh, Not For You. I forget which one. I, th- I think you're right. I think it was a B-side on one of those songs. Someone's so yelling that, at us right now. Yeah. It's like, how do you not know this? <laughs> how do you not know that? What's wrong with you idiots? Um, who, who paid these idiots to I, have this podcast? I'm like, quickly scanning my... Thing. I don't actually I don't see a, a cover for it so maybe not anyway uh, that's an awesome choice I love that um, it's actually an honorable mention for me that song and was it last week or two weeks ago I forget I forget what it was maybe it was last week when you sent me the link for the Red Rocks I think it was last week the Red Rocks concert uh, that we it's, chose Immortality good for. huh Oh man, it took me a few listens or a few viewing sessions just because I wasn't feeling well last week. But yeah. I got through it, and man, it's it's, out, it's an outstanding show. I forget that those first six songs are all, you know, Campfire, um, you know, pre Mansfield 2003. They had the whole kennel preset thing. But when they got the Tremor Christ, I was like, oh man, just so damn good. And I think when the album first came out, I wasn't super into that main guitar riff because it, it was so dissonant. But I got over that, and then I realized that I really enjoyed kind of that, as Mike called it, that that, that beat thing. It's a beat. It's not a beat thing. It's a beat. I, anytime a song gets characterized or described as Beatles-esque or like the Beatles, it's going to age well. Because it's, yeah, so it's not point. surprising. That, you good know? point. Um, yeah, big fan of Trimmer Christ. I love it. It's a great choice. Uh, now, I was smiling when you mentioned Riot Act because my choice is from Riot Act at number one. Oh. It's 
it's I am mine. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. I look at this choice as the macro to present tense is micro. Once you've conquered your moment and your calm, you can think about the bigger picture, which is to say that all you can do is all you can do. This is your one life. We didn't know of the before. We may never know what lies after. What you got is everything. And again, when the song came out as the lead single in 2002, I was not floored at all. <laughs> I tried my hardest, but I couldn't get around to liking it. Uh, I was disappointed. Um, they didn't give me like a pure rock song. Wow, um, I, I, I dug it when it first came out. I, I think if anything, I, I liked the song. And no, I think I want to say Love Boat Captain was the first single they dropped. And that no, had me. Cons- was it this one? Yeah. Okay, so th- th- this one came out and I was excited. Then I heard Love Boat Captain. I'm thinking, where's this record going? <laughs> yeah, but that was I, weird. I, yeah, I mean, I am mine. It got me pretty stoked for it. I thought it was uh, it was an interesting mid tempo track. Um, I guess yeah, so I was not too, uh, too pumped not. on it. Um, but over the years, I found the lyrical content more and more applicable, just like present tense. And add to that the story of its creation by Ed on Howard Stern, and it added another layer of appreciation uh, for me. So now when I go back and listen to that track, I'm not bored anymore like I was bored by Around the Bend, you know? Mm. Um, I like it because it has this swing to it that I can, I can, maybe I was just, I think I was just really annoyed that it was the lead single. Like that's, this is the first thing you want people to hear. I thought Save You would be that kind of thing. And then you go, you know, the other way around. But of course, as we've learned over the years, that's that's not necessarily their MO. They started with Dance of the Clairvoyance and that's kind of the unique song off Gigaton um, as a lead single. But once I got over that and I grew and, and, and matured, as they say, um, I started to realize that I really needed the message in this song. And mm. like I said, listening to... I'm noticing a pattern here, my friend. Yeah. The song's age is I age, basically, yep. is what it comes down to. <laughs> um, so the, the, the songs haven't aged the best. I'm I'm aging appropriately for what they meant at the time. Makes so sense. for me, this is how I look at it. I can't... It's hard for me to, to separate these two things. But uh, I Am Mine definitely... Uh, is something that I can relate to and understand better now. Uh, and so when we heard it, um, or at least I heard it, I, remember, I forget if you were there or not, uh, at Ohana, uh, which I think is the last time they played it, it was great. I was really happy to hear it because of how it's changed. My perception of it has changed since I was a sophomore in, in college. <laughs> I like it. There we go. Um, what are your choices for five songs that have aged the best? You got any other honorable mentions? Oh, uh, yeah, you don't. Sure. I, I just want to hear them. We don't have to dish on them. But, okay, uh, okay. Uh, Low light. That was on mine. Uh, <clears throat> I would say speed of sound. Okay, like that. Uh, call. I would say. Um. I actually had written down here, and it was a very kind of knee-jerk reaction. And it's funny because I named it the most overrated track on the album, uh, "Elderly Woman." Huh? Yeah, that is fascinating. It, for me, it's it's still the most overrated song on the album, just because it's played so much. 
I don't say to be overrated, but also age well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a paradox, Paul. You are. I mean, you are a walking enigma. I am. Uh, I think it's aged well because the story um, has aged well. I think the music is 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 what it was at always. But I think um, as more people get older and have gone through more life, they can relate to the subject and the song better. Mm-hmm. So I think for that for that that simple fact, um, it has aged well, and it's it's a it's always been a crowd favorite, but really uh, very much so in the last handful of years. But, you know, there weren't a lot of choices for me. A, a lot of these songs have kind of aged appropriately. Um, but that kind of just stuck out to me. But, but that's, that's why it's an honorable mention. What about you? Um, I had Low Light. I had Rival on there. I mentioned Parachutes. That's aged mm-hmm. well for me. I put nothing man on here, believe it or not. I, I feel it's a greatest hits track, but I, I feel like it's, you it's love that coming. song though. I do, but I also feel that more people love it now than, than I feel like it has an even larger following or, or uh, there's a larger level of love for it than there was in the past. Well, it wasn't played much. That's uh, the thing, you know? So I think now when it's played, it's, it's a real highlight uh, and believe it or not, I, I'm, I'm going to say Rearview mirror. I think Rearview mirror live now to me is it's it's just as it, it it's on the level of even flow to me as far as I a, think it always was. Pe- I did too back in the day, but they didn't. I don't feel like it was. Uh, I, I feel like there was a period of time in the band's career where they started bringing back a lot of ten tracks, mm. and uh, it you know that really became kind of the defining nuggets of going to see a Pearl Jam show. And now I count Rearview Mirror up there with with you know alive mm. and even flow and some of these other there's these other staples and so i actually wish they they play it more often it's funny you mentioned nothing man they only played it once in 94 or three times in 96 yeah i don't know what what it is about not wanting i mean this song is it's like it's one of my top five songs that they've ever done uh, it's amazing that uh it doesn't get as much much play it's bizarre yeah. i mean the, the, we're gonna have to start banking these kinds of questions so if we ever have the privilege of interviewing these guys we can say why don't you play nothing man more often? Oh, and, and, the, and why don't you play it <laughs> clean? Like, plug it in, play it clean and play. It. <laughs> I'm sure they love these kinds of questions. Yeah. Top, top journalism. Let us know what you think. <laughs> what are your five songs that age the best? I want to know. I really, inquiring really minds would like to know. That is correct. All right. <clears throat> let's get over to our lyric of the week. This week comes from No Code, and it's Around the Bend. All evenings close like this All these moments that i Paul, 
we touched on it. I touched on it a little bit earlier in the show. Um, this has been sitting there on our on our grid, unchecked for a long time. We haven't, we haven't done a no code song in a while. No. Uh, what do you make of this one, man? Well, I mean, I we we know the story by now. If you're if you're a listener for of this those podcast, who don't, for, for those who don't, Jack Irons uh, had a, a a baby, a young child at the time, and Eddie Vedder set out to compose a lullaby for Jack's kid. And and this is what he produced, and and I think that uh, I don't, I'm not buying the story that there's a a double meaning here. Maybe there's this dark, twisted. Mystery I feel like color. that was uh, that was a little <laughs> self conscious Eddie in the '90s, not wanting to just come out and say, "Yeah, I wrote a lullaby," you know. Uh, but you know what? This is sent from the same mind of Dirty Frank and and Once and the Mama San trilogy. So who knows? Maybe, maybe he uh, he he was genuine when he said that. Uh, that said, though, <clears throat> I feel like this this particular song it's a beautiful homage to to having children and it it happened at a time in pearl jam's career where we started to see shades of um a level of maturity that i think has come to define the band in their later years And, and you can trace the lineage of that to songs like around the bend where you could say, hey, you know, here this is a set of guys in their 30s that really were starting and you know Eddie didn't have kids back then. And so for, for him to, to do this, I thought was, uh, it, it was a, a pretty cool gesture to Jack, but more importantly than that, it just, it just showed the depth and breadth and the range of his songwriting skills. And, and so for that reason, I, I don't think it, it got the love that it deserved. And, um, I now feel that it, it's the kind of song that really lends itself to, um, it, it reminds me of, uh, what was that song? Uh, hero of the day like that there was a country song metallica did on yeah, load. Hero of the day. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and so I, I remember wouldn't low come out 95 96, 96. somewhere around 96 it's kind of the same year right there there was something about some of these bands that were that were kind of exploring these uh these uh you know country elements in their music uh um, well, there's a song to, mama said mama says even, great even, that, even, that's the one i was thinking yeah. of. that's the one i was thinking of. so i i feel like this is the kind of song that when you look back on it today, I could picture around the bend coming out on a variety of newer Pearl Jam albums. Oh, I, for I, sure. I could easily hear this song yeah. show up on lightning bolt. Um, I, I could, I could see it coming out on uh, uh backspacer. You know what I mean? And so it's a, it's a cool song as far as being like a conduit into what Pearl Jam would become. Um, and, and I'm sure if, if you said that to me in the, in 96, I'm like, hey, this is a window into what Pearl Jam is going to be like in the future. I'm like, no. <laughs> Why but, do they have to age? <laughs> uh, but uh, to your point, you know, I have aged with them. So, yeah. Well, I mean, any parent who travels for work a lot or has a job where the hours do not allow for them yeah. to put their kid to sleep often will really relish in this particular stanza uh, as well. Uh, I've worked a couple of, of jobs the last few years that have precluded me from being home some nights during the week. Last year, I traveled probably like a dozen weekends throughout the summer, missed multiple good nights. And as I mentioned um, before, when speaking about force of nature, I worked abroad for a few weeks at a time, two summers in a row, when my eldest was not even one and then almost two. Uh, and more recently I've had to work a handful of nights a month. So again, it continues. There are 
sometimes where I forget that my kids might wonder where I've been, <laughs> uh, why I've not been there every night. And I don't, I don't sing them a lullaby or anything, but I do have those shit. Maybe I, maybe I let this balance of work and family get a little out of whack. And I have to make up for those nights away. Maybe it's reading a second book. Maybe it's spending a little extra time chatting before bed. You know, I, I do this thing for my oldest called Bad Dreams, mm. where I I rub my hands together like this, like I'm warm, like I'm getting warm. And then I throw my hands out wide and I say, Bad Dreams, get out like that. Shazam. Shazam. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, a, like a magic trick. It's kind of become a thing that has to happen every single night. In fact, sometimes when I've been away, I've been FaceTimed to do it across the the country or the world. And so I, I know what the song is like now. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of parents out there who've missed too many bedtimes for their taste. And this is surely a song I was never going to truly understand or relate to until later in life, as we've spoken about earlier. It's a rarity, this one, man. It, but I'm glad they wrote it. And it's it's much like a a the future days. It's just a nice little number that adds a touch of human balance to the catalog. And you're right. It, it is the window into the thing. I mean, I, I wrote down future days as a note here. Um, and you hit it without even me having to say it first. So, yeah, I think this is a lovely song. I think this stanza specifically about being away um, is on point for me. And yeah. Great call. Great, great, great breakdown, my friend. Well, let us then find its best live version in our live cut of the week. Ready to stand up! Live cut of Around the Bend. Not too many to pull from. Where are we going? Been a Royal Hall. Yeah. We're going to head there. That's Because you're right. There just aren't that many versions of the song to listen to and i feel like that acoustic set was uh you know their unplugged part two mm-hmm. basically you know uh, double i mean it was, it was just a fantastic album but that version of around the bend is is probably the best produced and and, and it's it's just got a great great uh crowd there that i think was ready to hear a song like this so it, it's very setting specific, you know what I mean? And yeah, that was an yeah. intimate setting. And so I think that's why if they, if they, you know, if they had played that at a show you and I went to, it would be lovely. I'd love to hear it, but I think it, it would feel oddly placed. Whereas I think uh, that show is a great example of, of, of just an ideal pairing. Yeah. They don't, they don't have a lot of uh, shows with double encores anymore. So you can't really no. have that top of the first encore acoustic break thing like they had i mean maybe they'll bring it back who the hell knows but um that'd be the spot to put it in um okay well let's get to seattle october 22nd 
mentioned it um the atmosphere is tremendous uh songs only been played 14 times um i mean there's been some massive gaps in the history mm-hmm. 2006 to 2013 2015 to 2018 98 to 03 um sound quality is excellent as we know and when a live show is singled out like this and it gets the plus treatment on the mix and it it really just comes through i remember uh in the deep magazine josh evans was talking about giving the plus treatment to the mm-hmm. moline show for for no code um so if, when you get that bootleg it sounds even better than what brett is already, already doing for us um ed sounds lovely on this matt is perfectly within himself back there and and mike's fills are just are they're just right it's almost like a like a like a Spanish guitar flare in some of those fills, and then the final bridge with boom on the piano is just really 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 nice. 
might be one of the easier choices we've had for live cut. Um, I know, again, there's only 14 to choose from, but this one jumps out. I mean, you could have easily chosen it. I'm sure it played. They must have done it at Bridge School. Um, yeah, Shoreline. Yep, yeah. October 20th, 1996. Yeah, they played it at Bridge School, second time ever. But um, actually, uh, when they played it at, at Benaroy, it was only the fourth, no, fifth time. So it's been played yeah. far more since then. Than it was before. Not enough, though. Not enough. Either way, 14 times, no good. All right, guys, there you go. Let us know what you think about that live cut um, and about Around the Bend. Let's talk about Around the Bend. Give it some do. You know, we can get back to the hard rocking ways next week. Uh, again, we thank you, patrons. Uh, we thank you if you've bought shirts. If you would like to buy a shirt, let us know. Get DMs. If you'd like to join Patreon, the link is in our bio. Um, what else, Paul? If you don't want to do any of those things, just rate, review, and subscribe so we don't get eaten by the algorithm. The algorithm. Beat it. The algorithm is a hungry bitch. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Unsatiated. Is it a word? Unsatiated? It's uh, uh, insatiable. Insatiable. I think it's insatiable. Yeah, you're right. Or is it it unsatiable? I think it's insatiable. Unsatiated. I'm an idiot. All right. I hope I have to look this up. Hold on, we're, no, we're not I, we're I, not I, leaving the podcast. I'm 100 percent wrong. There's no way that's a word. Insa- insatiable. Insatiable. You're right. Word. Yeah, I was. You're, right. you're the English teacher. You should know. Yeah, I should. Know. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go look up some more words in the dictionary. And until we meet again, you've been listening to the State of Love and Trust. Yeah.